Do you do warm ups? We do. <laughs> Rubber baby buggy bumper. <laughs> Unique New York. Unique <laughs> New York. Sally sold seashells. I was down just doing tongue seashore. twisters with my kids on the way to school this morning. <laughs> and I was like, Have you guys ba been practicing your Peter Pipers? <laughs> I'm like, No. Do you remember? No. And so. When I was a kid, I wanted to be really – I wanted to impress people on how fast I could say it. So I'd practice my Peter Do Piper. Do it. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. A peck of pickled peppers, Peter Piper picked. If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, where's the peck of pickled peppers? Oh, I missed that. Where's the peck of pickled peppers? Oh, I can't okay. go back here. You know that's Did not crazy. expect that to happen. Welcome, friends. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I'm Keith. I'm Renee. And it's okay if you're not okay. Today, we are joined by special guest, Shanna Burgess, Director of Prevention Services and Community Relations. Woo! Hello! She's raising the roof. You couldn't see her. <laughs> Shanna, they I can't see us. When I get introduced, I don't say thanks for having me. I just raise the roof. Hey, that sounds like a good good plan. Like all your other guests. I You're welcome. a different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today we're talking about uh, workplaces. Workplaces can be stressful. And uh, we know that if you are in a really bad workplace for a long time, that can really impact your, your mental health, especially if you have some conflict going on there. Absolutely. So we want to um, talk through two questions today. One is, when you are experiencing conflict at work, what are some things you do to process that yourself? And then secondly, when you get ready to have that conversation to resolve that conflict, what strategies do you use in those conversations to help those be um, productive and helpful and actually bring resolution to the problem? Awesome. Great topic. It is. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> there it is, folks. She couldn't not say it. Right. <laughs> to use my it's not her nature. <laughs> Before we jump into the content, I'll give our normal podcast disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Johnson County Mental Health Center or Johnson County Government. Keith, I'm going to throw it right back at you. Okay. First question, how do you personally process conflict stress interpersonally yeah big things that are like really getting at me i process a lot internally so and when it's when i really feel stressed about it my tendency is to like play what i think the conversation is going to be like in my head over and over again and so i remember back when i used to be a supervisor and i knew i was going to have to have a one-on-one meeting with a, one of my employees that has having some performance issue or there's been some other relational issue between some employees that I would probably have that whole meeting in my head a hundred times before I actually had the meeting. And I would lose sleep, be really like just amped up about it, and quickly found that the actual meeting never went like any of the 100 scenarios I had played I in my head. Ask, yeah. Did it go the same as that? Like, <laughs> never. <laughs> not, not, even, not even once. Um, was it helpful? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, mostly not. So what I've been trying to get a hold of now is a story that Rob Bell tells. So Rob Bell, one of my favorite writers, communicators, he lives in California and LA and he likes to surf. And so he was out surfing with um, two friends. One was like an expert surfer and the other one brand new surfer. And the expert was teaching the brand new surfer how to surf better. And so um, Rob tells the story he was, he was in the water with the expert surfer and they're watching the guy who's learning to surf out trying these new skills and he keeps falling and he just doesn't look he just looks kind of uptight and not relaxed and um, the expert surfer is like man he just keeps thinking about stuff that's not happening 
Mm-hmm. He said it a little bit differently, but I can't say what he actually said on the podcast. <laughs> um, oh. Good editing. Good yes. job. Yes. <laughs> and that is like really silly and simple, but that has really hit home for me. Quit thinking about things that aren't happening. Because I wasn't having the conversation in all that time that I was spending thinking about it. And so I've just really stopped thinking too much ahead of what I want the conversation to be. Mm-hmm. It's still my natural tendency. I still go there. But I, but I try to um, moderate to that and just realize, no, I don't need to think about it. That's not happening right now. And when I get to that, that place, that's when it will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been helpful for me to have a better – like I just am healthier – when I'm outside of work, when I'm dealing with conflict, when I'm not thinking about stuff that's not happening. That's awesome. First thing that comes to mind for me and just thinking about these questions too are the things that you do have the ability to control and the factors that you don't. So in that scenario, you know, you might practice, oh, this is how I want to present myself or these are some of the things that I want to say. But as far as trying to anticipate how someone else is going to react or respond or any of that, what's within your control that you can have some thoughtfulness of and what's completely out of your control, no matter how much preparation right. or thoughtfulness Absolutely. that you put into that. I remember a perfect example of this. I had an employee who um, was really struggling with several performance issues and uh, also some relational issues with other employees. We we're getting ready for annual review time, like so performance evaluations. And so I have myself really amped up for this meeting. I'm thinking this is going to be really difficult. So I don't know how many times I played that conversation over how many hours of sleep I lost. But in the conversation, I sat down to meet with him. The whole evaluation, he just sat in his chair with his legs crossed and smiled and nodded the whole time and didn't say anything. The whole time. <laughs> Not really and getting much signed back from it. him. Yeah, <laughs> signed it and left. And that was the whole thing. And so it just, uh, it was just, yeah. I realized just how worthless all that time was mm-hmm. that I spent yeah. uh, thinking about it. How seriously you're taking it and how seriously someone mm-hmm. else might be taking it as yeah. well. Okay, so I, I I know I shared this with the two of you before we started. I'm excited about this conversation and <laughs> learning, hearing how the two of you <laughs> process things because uh, we've all taken Myers-Briggs type indicator and particularly yes. on the introvert-extrovert spectrum. So where, where we get our energy outside of us or inside of us. Mm-hmm. Renee, you're a... <laughs> 28, 28 out of 30 on extrovert. <laughs> people that know Renee. Yeah. Shanna Do not is... comment in the comments if you know me about me and <laughs> <laughs> my <laughs> personality. <laughs> you, you shared that in other episodes. I, have, I am a 28 on a 30 yeah. point extrovertedness. And Shanna is a 30 out of 30 the opposite direction. Yes. Introvert. And I'm pretty close to the middle. I'm a little, lean a little introvert. Guy. So I, yeah. So I think that uh, we probably process these types of conflicts in different ways. So, Mm -hmm. Renee, how do you, as an extrovert or just as yourself? Sure, probably uh, a little both, right? Yeah, Yeah, because that's (laughs) only one one little piece of who we are, right? Um, so I've got a little bit of of both. I'm a I'm a thinker and a talker. Um, so I I have to know first of all, I had to listen to my my gut. What are those feelings? I'm just I'm really proud that I'm in touch with what I feel in any given moment and then kind of figuring out what that means to me. So listening to my gut and then my favorite thing to do, love all the people in my life for just recognizing me and supporting through this part of me is that I got to talk it out. 
I have to talk it out and I have to do it with not somebody at work. Yeah. Like it, oh, it's yeah. just an odd dynamic and not even because I'm maybe my colleague or my supervisor or subordinate. It's because I need someone who can also give me feedback on me. Yeah. And, and I, I know I need that. I know I have a big personality. I know I can either like ruminate on things that I shouldn't or not think enough about certain things. And so I really have to know um, who I need to go to in any certain situation. And so it can be different people. Sometimes it's just a really great friend. Sometimes it's a family member yeah. based on how I know they will interpret what my frustration or what my challenge is, but then also can see me in that space sure. and that yeah, challenge. Because yeah. um, I do. I can get, man, really kind of polarized in my thought, and I don't ever want that to come out in a conversation. So I have to like think, feel, and speak kind of all all for myself to get through that. Um, do you tend to just find, like, so when you have a stressful situation, do you talk about it with multiple people or do you only, I guess you just need to find one person to process it? Out, outside of work, I think I just truly find one person. And when I, I think truly based on their response, because see, I just, I know my go-to people. I know who's going to hear my story and who's going to hear it through Renee, but he, here's where you were in the wrong. Or Renee, speak up for yourself in this moment. Um, and so I know those people that are going to give me that real feedback. So I think as soon as I hear that, just that loving, caring voice that I just know and respect and love so well, I know where I stand in how I feel, what I'm thinking about this, and what I want to convey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but then I also might need to talk with a confidant in inside of work. And I am really cautious about that because I get really sensitive about language and words um, and gossip and storytelling. Yeah. And that oh. is so detrimental for a workplace. So it's making sure that I really have always so dignity and respect are really important for me and making sure I give that to the other person, even just in my mind. Mm -hmm. Right. This is another human being I've got right. a conflict with. OK, it's not I don't ever want to come in and degrade or dehumanize. I take a lot of Brene Brown as she talks about in some of her writings, you know, that dehumanizing begins with language and language begins in my thoughts because mm -hmm. I do some of that rehearsal. OK, great. So I might say I need some time to process and then I might need some time to process maybe with um, with my supervisor, a supervisor, a colleague at a peer level that I'm allowed or it's appropriate to talk about this human resources, somebody that could hear my story and and have that really kind of critical, unbiased. This is a workplace dialogue. Yeah. Um, and knowing that and being honest that I might need that. Right. And it's all and, situational. Yes, I mean, to be able to yes. answer that question it's of, so hard. I would, it depends, <laughs> it, right? It depends yeah. on so many factors yes. of who, of when, it's of so true. what, of all of these different things that sometimes I might handle it beautifully. Sometimes I might fall on my face <laughs> so much, from personal right? experience. I can <laughs> right. say that. Yeah. We all have those stories, right? Yeah. And a lot of different factors contribute to that, both things that are about me and about environment and about others. Yeah. So, so, okay, so Shanna, do you have to talk to somebody? No, <laughs> I have all those conversations in my head. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Hold on. You have, conver you yes. have conversations in your head. <laughs> it is all happening in I this space up I here. <laughs> so, yeah, I am probably 
it is very rare that I'm going to talk to whether that's my husband or my friends or coworkers. It's very rare that I'm going to flesh that out with someone. The energy that it would take me to explain the situation where they could have valuable contributions, you know, to understand it completely because I'd want to talk about all these different factors that they would have no context. So by the time I got to the point of explaining it where I think they might have valuable <laughs> contributions, I would need a nap. Like, I'm done. <laughs> I am done. I don't care what you have to no, say. I'm, I'm going done to talking. sleep. <laughs> and the time that I'm spending with you know other people, I might would much rather talk about something else or do sure, something sure. else or spend time, you know, the limited time that I do have with friends and family and all of that of just shifting gears to something else. Cause yeah, I've already had all those conversations in my head <laughs> of my silent drives home where I have no radio. What? I have no uh, phone. What? I just sit and think, Silence? do you do that? No. You talk on the phone, you listen to the radio. I I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> and that's so funny that you both shared that. Yeah. You're quiet. Uh, Shanna and Renee, you're always listening to the radio. Yeah. And me, it depends on the day because yeah, I'm right yeah. in the middle. <laughs> Sometimes Some I silent, need sometimes, that yeah. time. I mean, sure, yeah. there's the time where what I need to heal myself is to blast that radio sure, and sure. not think about anything else. Sure. Yeah. But there's a lot of times that I use that as the transition time to figure all that out, transition from one aspect of my life to another. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I think is, is just really neat ab- about this, and it's going to sound a little like Captain Obvious here, but we all land on different spectrums of a Myers-Briggs. I can imagine we all land on different spectrums of lots of different variables within our lives and our personalities. And I just think it's really neat that um, what I hear us three doing is knowing ourselves really well. And I think that's important and really getting in touch with for me to kind of be my best self in the midst of conflict, standing in there, being brave, being courageous. I I have to be a little introspective in the moments around that. Mm -hmm. So I know who I am, how to manage myself the best um, because I just want to give the respect to everybody around. And I think Keith and I have done pretty darn good just work in our, in our regular everyday day to day tasks and work. And some of the things here on the podcast and some of the things that we get to do in social media on representing that we can not agree and be really great colleagues and really great people and be even going in the same direction. Yeah. I just really, I really want to impress upon the folks that are listening. It's okay to, to, to be a little introspective mm-hmm. and figure out what's worked for you, what hasn't worked for you. Talk to somebody, think about it, whatever works best for you, and go, man, what would I do differently next time? Yeah, right. What's worked well for me? Yeah, and there's sometimes, and we right now we are, we've all talked about times when the conflict has been something that's happened, and then you can walk away from it for right. a while before coming through. Right. But there are sometimes when. There is something in front of you that you have to deal with right there in the yes. moment. And that's a really different situation. And yes. so I think that's another time that being very self-aware yep. um, is so critical. Thinking, I'm even thinking physiologically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, Patterson and his like three co-authors whose names I never remember of Crucial <laughs> Conversations. All. Yes, at all. Um, talks right. about this like in those high stake moments, your adrenaline starts pumping. Right. Like so just being aware, oh. Oh, my palms are sweating. This means yes. I'm amping up for something. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got yeah. a vein in my head that's popping out. Um, it, you know, my and just, jaw is not relaxed. Yes. <laughs> Relax your yes. jaw. Yes. And so realizing that that's a warning sign that you have to decide, okay, my body is amping up really for a fight, really. Yes. I mean, that's what yes. your body is doing. And so being able to figure out 
what can I do in the moment to still keep control of what I'm going to say and how I'm going to act mm-hmm. in this moment? Yeah. The things that when I'm in the most stressful situations, I really think of what are the things like I'm way more intentional about taking care of myself and what I can control as far as I might even eat healthier. Like sometimes people go the opposite direction because they're stressed out. I'm like, okay, that's something that I do have some control over Mm. to help or being really thoughtful about sleep and how, you know, I'm okay. I want to get this in because I know other things are going to be stressful or whatnot. To be able to have That's that like one part that you can control because everything else feels like chaos. yeah <laughs> yes. right. So what do I have the ability to help kind of build protection around me in Absolutely. other ways or like stack the deck in my favor for these things because I know these things might drain me or stress me out or you know there might be conflict or whatnot. Taking care of yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. I've known. I want to go back to just the the kind of physiological piece. I, I appreciate you bringing that up, Keith. We talk a lot in the clinical world, right? Fight flight, freeze, yeah. appease, mm-hmm. challenge him people out mm-hmm. there. So our bodies can really do lots of things. So when we are confronted with conflict, we can fight. And that can be, honestly, guys, that can be physical. That can be with our words. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So we can fight. We can flight. We can flee. We can actually just leave the situation. Sometimes that's great until it turns into avoidance. We don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, freeze literally get locked up have no clue um if we should walk away no clue if we should stay no clue what words to say and so we just kind of stand there Mm -hmm. but also appease we say things and do things that we might think might rescue or remedy the situation but are not true to our own integrity and our person yeah so because those are all responses that we have and i am really thankful that my body and mind are built that way to respond that way because it's it's to protect me right Mm -hmm. So to go back again to that physiological, I know a couple of my internal tells when I'm getting into that like kind of like brave, courageous space. But I also know the tell my internal tells when I'm going a little past that. That's where I need to say, hey, I'm actually kind of in fight mode. So I need to settle down, walk away, take a time out. Mm-hmm. So again, so knowing step away. Absolutely. Those, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But recognizing too that. Just because my body is alerting, it's not necessarily a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Right. That's exactly yeah. right. And um, you, once you I, can identify that that's how your body's responding, you can make some choices yes. on what you want to do that can help manage what your body is yep. gearing up mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. And sometimes you need that need to that physiological response to be able to have the energy to engage too. Yes. And I have found that um, silly as it sounds, but having something like on my desk, like holding a business card or holding a pen just while I'm having the conversation Mm -hmm. allows me that one more piece of like tactile. If I need to hold a little tighter, spin it around in my hand, it's very, it comes very natural for me and doesn't take away from the personal connection that I'm really trying to just, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a people person. I'm a relationship builder. It's in my core. I want us to leave even if we're in disagreement with our relationship intact. Mm -hmm. What if you just let conflict and that tension and stress live forever at work? What if you just decide I'm never going to have a conversation? So I'm going to jump in because I, we talk about strengths and you've talked about strengths uh, previous on the podcast. One of my strengths is harmony. So a lot of people think of that as I don't want conflict. I avoid conflict, all of that. I think of short-term versus long-term. So 
I am willing, not always, but I'm going to say in general, I'm willing to take that dive and to have that short term in order to have the long term harmony, right? So let's address it. Let's, it's not about avoiding it. It's the timing of when that happens for all the people and players. So I'm going to want to do that because I'm looking at relationships, big picture and harmony long term versus short term. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. I think that's unique, right? Because that's yeah. your strength can be harmony and it can look um, so different um, in so many different people. So right. it really is yeah. the person and how you um, how you emulate your own strength of yeah. harmony. Yeah. I do not have harmony. I don't think we anywhere know. in the top, <laughs> top 10. I, I just can speak up and disrupt. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. so uh, podcast listeners who do not know, Shanna is my direct supervisor. <laughs> What? Yes. And uh, I'm looking author? at her as I'm saying this. Uh, <laughs> n- mostly no. A little bit maybe. Not for me at all. It's different though. And I will say different of if you're the supervisor and trying to lead a conversation or you're facilitating yeah. a group sure. or a meeting of how you utilize that and when you share your voice and a impactful or influential way and when you sit back i found that if i'm in if i am in group meetings and there is conflict there or there's something going on that's just making people feel funny you can tell i've tried to be in those situations where it's more intense to be intentionally very quiet for a long time mm-hmm. be very thoughtful about what i'm going to say and when i finally say something make it worthwhile yes exactly so i'd only right. have to say like one or two things in that really Boom. difficult meeting but that's the most important so thing. So true of Keith. <laughs> <laughs> so true of Keith. We can you all just leave the meeting well, now. Right? Doing it He's well. done it. He's yeah. done But it. that is a learned skill. I mean, I mean, that's a learned strategy that I, mm-hmm. because my, like my natural tendency when things are not in conflict is to engage in the conversation the whole time and always share my opinion. I'm the, mm-hmm. you know, the first person to speak. When things are really important, when, like, when the stakes are high, like people, are, you know, emotions are running and... When I talk too much, my message can get lost in that, and I can say things that aren't important. Um, and so that's a time that I shift more to internal processing and try and come up what's the what's the one thing that I need to say. And you can in this speak moment. in sound yeah. bites like you would to the media. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take this this is your takeaway from yeah. today. Yes, yes. But I think that's I think that is a, an amazing skill. I mean, probably one that I can tell you I need to do more of at certain times is just to sit back and listen. Mm. That is so. It's such an important part of communication, which I love doing, and just to just to make sure that I know what I'm bringing, I know me, I know my message that I want to get across, but am I really hearing the other person? Yeah. Yeah. And that means I have to listen, and sometimes I haven't even, I have to even, like, try to say back what they're saying, because I've gotten into it where we're literally saying the same thing differently, and I'm getting frustrated and going, okay, wait a minute. Like if someone's listening, are we? And they're like, "Yeah, you're saying yeah, the same right. thing." Yep. You are, right. right. So listening, we've, we've, we, I've got to listen. Absolutely, this might not be in the moment, but sometimes I got to say I'm sorry. And in my world, sorry means you're going to try to do something. Different. I'm so glad you said that because I've heard you say that, and I was going to make you say <laughs> uh-huh. it if you didn't say it. I am I, that word. Oh man, in my personal life, just people overuse the heck out of that word. Sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. If you're sorry, I'd like to see your behavior change. So, I've got to listen. I've got to be okay coming back and genuinely, genuinely saying sorry, not expecting anything in return. That's not why I'm saying sorry. I'm mm. there to represent 
my inappropriate words or actions. But in the moment, I have to know when I start raising my voice, I'm not feeling heard. When you start yelling and telling, it's no longer a conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Conversations. The one-sided. Yes, it, it doesn't. Who Who's really listening or having a conversation if someone's yelling or telling? You're mm-hmm. not. And so I've really got to watch when I do that to stop, acknowledge to whom I'm talking with. I've got to say, hey, I was raising my voice. It's just because I'm not feeling heard and not hearing you. Mm-hmm. Can we start over? So mm-hmm. I have a question for you as you're talking about the the person saying I'm sorry What about the receiver? I've been reflecting a lot on the receiver of I'm sorry. So people say I'm sorry. A lot of people say that's okay. And sometimes it's not okay, right? Uh What you've done. Um, My children say I accept your apology, which is a really nice way to like, (laughs) I hear you, but I'm not (laughs) sure if that's okay. Right? You might be in different stages of readiness for that. How do you deal with that? What do you say? Um, I say thank you. Yeah. Right? Because I... Going back to kind of what I believe about people, you made that choice to use those words right now. I'm going to thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't feel like I um, have to respond, have to explain myself. Keith, how about you? Yeah, I think that I'd be really open about it and say, thank you. I know that I will forgive you right now. I'm still feeling pretty upset about this. Yeah. And I and I will feel better another time. So just want you to know I heard you. I heard you say that you're sorry. I, I do forgive you. It may take me some time for my emotions to catch up with that forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, because I'm, I'm, I am like forgiveness is really important to me. Like, mm-hmm. so the, the act of forgiving somebody, because if you don't, it, it just, it can ruin you more. So mm-hmm. um, at the same time, sometimes you have to process it. Just like we've already said, like your body has to catch up to that desire to forgive. Hanging on to all this stuff, guys, I've got to talk as the mental health clinician, please being yes. in a workplace I just want to invite the conversation about mental wellness and hanging hanging on to things and not knowing what you need to do to kind of get some resolution yeah. around that. Because if you walk into work every single day and that just sits in you, I mean, mm-hmm. I can speak to the amount of anxiety that would bring. And I'm talking about just kind of that ruminating worries that gets so powerful it starts to destroy my functioning in the workplace. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, or in fact, um, affect my mood so much that I really kind of start to creep into that depressed, really kind of that worthless, hopeless, um, that that can happen Yeah. now flip that coin. I got to go to work every day. I need a paycheck. Right. That's the reality. I love the work that I do. I love getting paid every two (laughs) weeks, Yep. but that becomes a catalyst of some of my mental illness or a stressor to my mental illness mm-hmm. that exacerbates my mental. That is, that's just a really tough space to be in. And mm-hmm. so I'm just going to put the invitation out there to folks. Um, we've got a crisis line, please call and we can get you pointed in the right direction. Yes. Yeah. And I really love the frame around our 24 hour line of yeah. kind of like ask a nurse, right? So yes. you can call and you can ask, like might be a deep dive navigation that leads to this or that, mm-hmm. or it might be a quick conversation and connecting you somewhere else. That's great. And I think it's also valuable to remind folks that a lot of workplaces provide um, counseling services of some kind as yeah. a part of your employee benefits. Yes. Um, and a, a lot of uh, places, particularly through HR, can provide mediation resources mm-hmm. too. 
both of these things are really helpful when you're dealing with large amounts of stress at work or some yeah. interpersonal relationships at work that are mm-hmm. they're difficult. Kind of going going back to, to Brene Brown, somebody that I definitely draw draw strength from. She talks about as we become more relational, we have to expect that we're going to have some more kind of in the trenches, face-to-face conflict just because mm-hmm. that's what being around people yeah. does and that's okay. And caring about people yes. and caring enough to have the tough conversation yep. or to Absolutely. give the feedback or the input or whatnot. That's yes. a, I'm pouring into you because I'm taking the time to do that because I care about you. It, it happens. It happens mm-hmm. more when we become face-to-face and when we have these physical spaces. The most context sometimes i have in a day is with other people is at work yeah right that's that's the truth yep so the thing that she talks about which is really neat is everybody deserves physical safety and emotional safety Mm -hmm. within the workspace within your home space within the community that's true and that i have i have the of the right to those things we can debate the word right at some other time not here so (laughs) is that gonna debate you right now i have the right so if i am talking with shanna and we have got some conflict that we're going to agree to talk about i need to know from her i deserve to know from her that i I get i get physical safety in that space Mm -hmm. i'm not going to be vulnerable if shanna is maybe posturing and he's got fist clenched and standing over me, I'm probably not going to engage in that space. I just don't know if my physical safety is being taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. And then emotional safety. Um, Is someone going to use words that are still full of dignity and respect, but also get their point across? And so I want to make sure that I'm doing that, but receive that as well. And the one thing I think that Brene Brown did a really great job of is recognizing when we get in some heated moments, sometimes we take a little personal twist on emotional safety and we start saying, no, you don't agree with me and I'm not emotionally safe. Guys, a lot of people are going to disagree with you. Yeah, and that's not the same thing as not being emotionally safe. <laughs> yes. If someone disagrees with you and then belittles you, puts you down, talks down to you, dehumanizes yeah. you, calls you a name, that is not emotional safety. I really do think, and I just commend my my friend Keith here, that we do a really good job of disagreeing and being really humane with one another. Yeah, because totally. it's fun and we've got a really neat relationship that we can do. And I say this all the time that no one conversation happens in a vacuum. No. Mm-hmm. It's, it brings the whole context of that entire relationship up yes. to it. And so building the relationships with people in the good and in the normal and the everyday time is significant because it helps you then be able to have difficult yeah. conversations. It'll carry over yeah. to those Absolutely. where it has influence. When I was supervising staff, whenever I would meet with people, I would meet with them in my office and I would and I would often close the door mm-hmm. when I was meeting with them. And I started doing that whenever I wanted to say something really good to them, too, because I wanted people to feel safe in my office and not as soon as Keith closes his door, somebody's <laughs> in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Going to the principal's uh, office. And, so, and then having regular one-on-ones with the staff. Or what other people around think, yes. too, because it's not just a person in exactly. your office. It's the people oh, outside that are like, what's going on in there? Exactly. And so <laughs> having those everyday relationships with then my staff, now my coworkers, um, and how I treat them when things aren't. Mm-hmm. Like a critical matter, but just in the everyday, 
that helps those really tough conversations be much easier mm-hmm. yeah because they have this whole background of relationship with me they can fall back on that i've already mm-hmm. established myself in in that relationship absolutely i want to go back to something renee was saying because yes there are times where my physical or emotional safety doesn't feel there so like the tipping points because there could yeah. be a time where i'm not feeling physically or emotionally safe in these difficult conversations what are the cues? What do we say? What do we do to have space? I'll go back to my one example. So I might say, Shanna, could we sit? I, I might just, of, yeah, physical like if body you were kind of standing over of, me yeah. and I was getting really intimate because you might not even know. And I might just say, hey, could we sit and talk? Yeah. And again, I'm going to, by your response, I'm going to judge, like, are you ready to go there with me? Or if not, I might have to say, Thank you. I asked. You answered. I'm going to have to walk away now. Mm -hmm. Whether it's physical or emotional, I have to be willing to say to you what hurts. Mm -hmm. Shanna, when you called me that name, I I don't know if I can continue that conversation because I'm just not in a safe space spot right now that hurt Mm -hmm. and some people can do that in the moment some people might sit there and sit through it and then revisit it later and it's okay to revisit that later too we were having this conversation and this and this and this is how I felt as part of that is an interesting just kind of permission to even revisit later to say hey, this didn't go so well for me because of whatever yeah. reason. So some say it in the moment as much as you can Absolutely. to shift that. Absolutely. Um, and be able to revisit that later when it might be a better time for either one or whoever is involved in the yeah. conversation. And the revisiting is going to be one of two things. One, you're going to have to sit through it and continue that conversation. Mm-hmm. Or two, you're going to have to get up and exit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know... Yeah the peril that can put one in when you're maybe talking to a supervisor and you feel emotionally unsafe Mm -hmm. that walking out on your supervisor might be a very, it's okay. You need to be able to do that. Yeah. It it doesn't matter who it is. It is. If you are fearful of losing your job, I would see how that might stop me. Mm -hmm. Right. If this is a culture of a workplace, uh, Mm -hmm. that would be really difficult for me supervisors don't get to dehumanize employees Mm -hmm. that that didn't happen Um, so please talk to somebody but also um if you're able to if you've got a great relationship with your supervisor or colleague come back Mm -hmm. right come back have the conversation yeah it's hard it's a lot easier to sit here in the podcast room and talk about this is what i would do this is what i think you should do here's some tips (laughs) do what you gotta do and everyone's doing their best wow (laughs) darn right thank you shanna Okay, there's See, one more thing that, that I for sure <laughs> wanted to share in this podcast. Um, this is both from Crucial Conversations, a book I mentioned earlier, and then also uh, Cy Wakeman's book, Reality-Based Leadership. And it's this reality that when we're faced with a situation, we often tell ourselves stories or make up stories about what's really happening. And so we see some facts and then in our mind come up with the why that those facts are real. And so it might be in um, – in a meeting, somebody takes over and doesn't let you talk. And so all you know as a fact is that that person didn't let you talk uh, because they were talking, they, they kind of took control. Mm-hmm. And so you could decide, oh, that person doesn't value my decision. Or you could tell yourself a story, that person is a control freak. Or you could tell yourself a story, that person must have got burned in the past by letting somebody speak. Mm-hmm. All those things are stories you can make up yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that fit the same fact. fact yeah. And the problem is oftentimes when we tell ourselves our sto- a story, 
we accept that as fact, yes. and then we go into the conversation to resolve conflict, thinking that whatever story we've made up in our minds uh. is what is actually true. Yep. When really, mm-hmm. we don't know. Before we only hearing know the it facts. From other person. Yes. Yeah. And that, oh my word, that has saved me from so many <laughs> awful <laughs> conversations by recognizing when I'm telling a story, when I'm not. Yeah. And I've been the recipient of other people's stories sometimes mm-hmm. that were entirely not true. That caused me much pain and stress and uh, hardship in the midst of those relationships. I've yeah. circled back with people that something that has really bothered me and they haven't thought twice about it. You know, the, like, it right. wasn't a blip for them and I'm sitting on it for however long. Yeah. And if I would have just addressed it immediately and not waited. Yeah. And if you don't want someone to make up facts or call you names or tell a story about you. I challenge you right not to do it to other people. Yeah. Right. So to oh, kind of yeah. right. It's just that dignity and, and respect we all really author everything that we encounter so differently yeah. and that that's okay. And, we, you know, we talked about how our bodies respond to those minutes of conflict of fight, flight, freeze, or appease. The person, the other author we're talking to also has those same, re- right. same responses. Right. And while we cannot control what they're going to say or think or do, we can be mindful of the ways that we are communicating impacts impacts mm-hmm. the other person yes um and so um crucial conversations again uh, uses narrows those four into like two and basically says a person tends to respond either in silence or violence um so mm. leaning in getting it you know defensive or hostile on one hand or on the other hand withdrawing in some way and yep. no longer contributing to the the shared meaning in the conversation and so being aware not only of what you're saying, but also how is the other person responding? Are they leaning more towards the violence or to the silence? Sure. And if you recognize that, to be able to change how you're communicating or to reengage them in a healthy way. And that takes practice. For I sure. mean, it does. Like yes. Being able to use the practices when you're not have the adrenaline pumping through your body right. and all helpful. the factors that surround it the yeah. who the where you're yeah. at the factors i talked about earlier have i had no sleep yep. have i you know all those contributing yep. factors of how i'm handling this in the moment and what's affecting me and knowing yourself and knowing that shannon and i handle something differently and that's okay yeah mm-hmm. right knowing knowing yourself is absolutely okay yeah that's great any last minute wrap up thoughts for folks as we leave them to deal with their workplace conflict and stress in silence (laughs) (laughs) singing at the top of their lungs very good that's how you can deal with it thanks for joining us for another episode i'm keith i'm renee and it's okay if you're not okay